Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. For everything, for everything indie, for everything cults, it's the Blue Horseshoe now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome into the midweek edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey and George Bremer here with you. All right, so in the preview pod leading to the Steelers game, George, we did mention this is kind of the Colts' last stand to keep the fan interest around for this season specifically. Could you try to make a run and a last-ditch effort to a playoff run? Clearly, all those hopes at 4-7-1 are dashed. So now I think it's very fair to kind of start turning towards the future, turning towards the offseason, and that's going to be a, a big weight and a big focus on this specific podcast in terms of possible trade partners for the Colts as they right now sit at pick number 14. If they are going to get a quarterback, if they are going to somehow get themselves into the top five and the top three, could a possible trade be available? We'll discuss a few options as well, including which quarterbacks the Colts could take as the Athletic did drop their first mock draft for the 2023 draft. I'll tell you who the Colts are projected to take right now at pick number 14. Jeff Saturday did own up to his timeout usage snafu on uh, on Monday night. Does that help or hurt his standing at uh, with the Colts locker room? And also, too, the Colts obviously have a big hole at head coach, George. Right, That's obviously a big uh, topic we've been talking about all season long. Is there one head coach? Now, I think Colts fans would like that's maybe almost having too much success and kind of almost taking himself out of the running for the Colts head coaching job. So as you can see, we have a very loaded midweek pod for you right here. So, George, with that said, even though we're still in season here, this is the first time in a long time where you can kind of already be in season, but already start kind of looking ahead. Like, it's a weird feeling, um, but it's something that's honestly not very enjoyable. No, really, I, probably since 2017 around here that, that you were able to, you know, this early in the, in the season, just kind of back it in. Maybe 2019, things fell apart pretty badly in the second half, but I still think with five games to go then, they were still in playoff contention. You were still, there was still a chance, you know. Um, now, yeah, playing out the string. Um, and and really, we, we've talked about it a lot. I think the, the schedule that's left, there's a lot of games that could go either way, but at this point there, it's a tough schedule for this team. I mean, you look at the Cowboys on Sunday, obviously that's a massive challenge. The chargers coming in on a Monday night game, that should be a massive challenge. The Vikings on the road is a massive challenge. Uh, even the giants, you know, we, we've talked about that being a winnable type of game because the giants are sort of, you know, who they are, but, one thing the Giants have done all year is find find a way to win, which is definitely not the case with this team. So that's for sure. You know, I think all of those they'll be underdogs in. 
You know, the only game left probably that, that they have a shot at it being the favorite probably will be is Houston at the end of the year. Right. So, um, yeah, and you're really just kind of sitting here um, counting the days and until the draft, honestly. You're 100% right about that. It's You're right. They lost. I mean, they've lost the benefit of the doubt for a while. But, again, especially when you lose at home the way you did the Steelers. Like, again, like you said, there's just – even some winnable games, there's no reason I think the Colts will kind of put it all together, even though they have at some points this year – and win some of these games. So like I said, now as we start to kind of look ahead towards the future here, obviously everyone kind of looks towards the draft. Right now the Colts are 4-7-1, only 14th overall pick. I don't know about you, George, that's not really a position that sounds like you're going to get your number one guy at quarterback, right? Whether it's Bryce Young, whether it's C.J. Shroud, whether it's Will Levis, that does not sound like a spot that you are going to be able to sit at and be able to kind of draft the quarterback you want the most. So with that said, I think it's also a good time to kind of start looking ahead and maybe starting to identify some teams the Colts should be rooting for. Because again, now that the Colts season is over, why not start looking at other teams and say, okay, maybe these scenarios break your way, break our way. Maybe this is a potential trade partner. We were talking off air after the postgame pod on Monday. I wanted you to bring this up because this is an idea that you have that I have not heard anywhere else. But I think the Colts fans, there's one specific team they should kind of be looking at and rooting against the rest of the season because that could be a team come draft time that could be a, a trade partner with the Colts. What team is that, George, and why? Yeah, Chicago Bears. I mean, you're looking at a team right now that surprisingly is is sitting in the number two hole. And I say surprisingly, not by what expectations were at the start of the year, but they're on a five-game losing streak. They were three and four uh, not that long ago. And, and at that point, the number two pick in the draft was not on their radar. But, uh, you know, if the season ended today, the Bears would pick second. So, uh, I, I think you're looking at a team there that that feels like it has its quarterback in in, in Justin Fields uh, is unlikely to draft a quarterback has a lot of other holes you know on that roster a lot of other holes on that roster and might be interested in a deal you know sure they could fall in love with Will Anderson uh, pass rusher out of Alabama who a lot of people think is a generational type of guy um, but they also could say outside of quarterback, which is not a position that they're probably going to jump at. There's no one spot that, that's worth more to them than, you know, multiple picks. So right. I think that'll be a really interesting situation to keep an eye on. Obviously, if the Bears are ultimately in that number two hole, um, they're going to have a lot of bidders. I think it's going to be a situation where if Chris Ballard's still the general manager, he's going to have to swallow hard and, and do something he hasn't done and get into a bidding war. Uh, but I definitely think it's something to to keep an eye on because the Bears are very intriguing if they're in that two-hole. Absolutely. Like I said, you have a relationship in terms of Ryan Poles being a former, you know, Kansas City executive standing with Chris Ballard. Obviously, their head coach, Matt Eberflus, is very familiar with the Colts being their former defensive coordinator. So it's like there's connections already there naturally, right, where you think channels of communication could be open and you are right. Like if you're the Bears right now and where you are, where Justin Fields, you mentioned the five-game losing streak and it's surprising. It's also surprising because this like last month, six weeks, Justin Fields is playing some of the best football of his career. And a lot of it's on the ground, but it's like he's playing really well and it still doesn't matter because the Bears still losing games. So it's like they have a quarterback that's developing. They have, as you could just tell, a million different holes on defense, on offense, where even with Justin Fields playing some really good football, they still can't figure out to win games. Now, if you're the Bears and you're sitting there at pick number two, is Will Anderson, is a left tackle, is a wide receiver at number two more valuable than, let's say, trading back to where, even though the Colts right now are at pick 14, 
like you gotta imagine with this schedule they have, like I said, Cowboys, the Giants, the Vikings, the Chargers, like those are out of the five games remaining, four are most likely losses. The only win left is the Texans. So let's just say they win one more game into five wins. You're probably sitting at pick, I don't know, let's say nine or ten. So let's just say for argument's sake, it's ten. If you're the Bears, would you rather have pick number ten, maybe a first round pick, probably a first round pick next year, and like I say, a second round pick, or would you rather have your, your number two overall pick and just sit there and then just, you know, have pick two and then probably 34 with your own second round pick. Like you are in a position where when you have your quarterback and you have so many other holes to address, trading back is really the only option you have. Like, I don't think it, it makes a lot of sense to draft, sit there number two and take whatever, you know, the best players available when you can get more value and get a few extra high picks in order to kind of build, you know, your franchise up. So if you're the Colts, I mean, I think Colts fans should absolutely now forget, you know, just in, in watching the Colts, I can watch a lot of these Bears games. Like, I know Aaron Rodgers was on Pat McAfee's show earlier this week, and he was talking about how he plans, as long as he, you know, feels good, he's going to play, and he plans on playing this Sunday against the Bears. That's great news. That's great news. You want the Bears to keep on losing. If you're number two, George, for me, like, the, the quarterback, I think that would be perfect for the Colts. That they're, they're really, right now, out of this draft class, the only quarterback I feel really comfortable in taking is Bryce Young. You put yourself in number two, and you give your chance, you know, you give yourself one shot to where the Texans, if they for whatever reason don't like Bryce Young, figure out we'll punt one more year on the quarterback situation. You are one pick away or one mistake away from the Texans or you know, screwing up and you could have Bryce Young in your team. I'm in. Yeah, no. I think at that point you start spamming Nick Casario, you know, hey, he's only six feet. He <laughs> he had that shoulder injury, you know, whatever you can come up with. Uh, to, to try to convince him that, that Bryce Young's not the guy. Because I'm, I'm 100% with you. Um, I don't know there's anybody else in this draft that, that I look at that I feel really confident will be a, a good, you know, above-average starter in, in the NFL. There, that doesn't mean nobody else will develop. But there's nobody else that right, right now, from based on, on what you've seen them do at the college level, you feel like they're going to be that kind of guy. Um you know, I think the other option with the Bears is that they do fall in love with one of the quarterbacks in the draft. I doubt it, but given the situation that they're in with the GM and the head coach who were not there when Justin Fields was selected, uh, you know, it's possible that that they look at one of these other guys and say, you know what, Fields has been hurt both years we've had him. Uh, we're three and nine with him. Maybe you move on. I think that's a less likely scenario given that. Uh, I think we've only seen it happen once in, in NFL history with the Cardinals uh, and they were yeah. proven correct because Josh Rosen was That's not true. the guy they should hold on to. Um, but, and, and so I highly doubt it, but I think, I guess I, I'm bringing that up because I think that's more likely in my mind than them sticking and picking it to. Right. I, I'm with you. Like you said, maybe they fall in love with Bryce Young and they don't trust the Texans either to make the right call. And it's like all of a sudden, like you said, you, he falls in your lap and you're there. But right, I would take right now, Justin Fields over any other quarterback outside of Bryce Young. I would take, obviously, Bryce Young, but it's like Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, C.J. Stroud. Like, none of those guys enamor me or have me feel good about the Colts' future with them at quarterback compared to, like I said, how you feel about Bryce Young. And if we're talking about a possibility where, look, the Colts, we at least for me, I've been on Team Tank really since, you know, really since that Week 7 loss to the, to the Titans. And for at least a few weeks, it seemed like the Colts were on that same page as well. And now you hire Jeff Saturday, bring Matt Ryan back, and they're four seven one. You're too late to tank, right? You're sitting at fourteen. You got way too much, you know, ground to make up, if you will, uh, to kind of get into that top five on your own. Like I said, if, if you can kind of keep rooting for the Bears and have the Bears um, be in a situation where they don't, they want to keep Justin Fields, and you want to get picks to build your team, 
That's a tremendous trade partner. Like I said, there's already kind of natural lines of communication open between the two franchises that really can help the kind of Colts get the quarterback they want while not having all the losses as well, which would be just absolutely massive for this team. And you look to yeah. George, the rest the of big the caveat though. I mean, the big caveat there is you're going to have to, to be in love with at least one of the other quarterbacks. True. Cause you can't, you can't give up the, you know what it's going to cost. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see because you can't count on, you know, getting your guy there because you'd be a two. So, that I think is is there's a lot of moving pieces, and I'm sure things will be a lot different by the time we get even to to January 9th and, and the season's over. Um, but I think it's going to be really interesting uh, to keep an eye on the Bears because I think they're the one team. You know, if if you are a fan out there that that's on the Will Levis train or you're on the C.J. Stroud train or the Anthony Richardson train, the Bears are a team that can guarantee you one of those three guys. That's a good point. Like I get so enamored and you think, oh, you're one pick away from Bryce Young. But you make a, a, a good point, George, because at least for me, I got to rein myself in because, right, if they pick Bryce Young, you're sitting there at number two. And you look at what the 49ers did, you just go back on Preston when they moved up in the in the 2020 draft from 12 to three, they gave up two first-round picks. And they kind of felt comfortable with multiple guys. They ended up taking Trey Lance at number three when it was Trevor Lawrence, one, Zach Wilson, two. You, you have to fall, whether it's Stroud, whether it's Will Levis, you have to have – a, a ton of conviction where if Bryce Young is not the guy, we feel uber comfortable giving up at least one extra first round pick. So you got to think you're not trading up and giving the, uh, giving the bears your first round pick, you know, swapping ones and then giving them like a, a second round pick. It's going to have to be another first round pick. You would think to trade up from in the ballpark of let's say area 10 to, you know, pick number two or three. And you're hundred percent right. You have to have strong conviction that whether if, if Bryce Young's not there, Whoever is there, you feel comfortable. They can also be a franchise guy, which we know Chris Ballard. Discredit, the one thing he has been is stubborn in terms of he's not going to take a guy, just take a guy. And that, I think, philosophy, again, is going to hold true and ring true and really needed to uh, hold true this year. Where, again, if you don't like anyone else outside of Bryce Young, maybe you got to get creative. Maybe it's Trey Lance. Maybe it is Justin Fields. If you kind of hear rumors and thoughts that the Bears may, you know, stick a number two and pick a guy and kind of hit the reset button with a brand new GM, brand new head coach. But either way, like I said, you have to have some sort of strong feeling on another guy outside of Bryce Young because the odds of him being there at pick number two, while it is the Texans, and fingers crossed, you know, we've known them to make mistakes before, They it's almost too easy of a layup, at least right now, to go anywhere else but Bryce Young. So well, a few other thoughts here, George, because maybe pick number two is either too expensive or maybe, you know, the, the Bears aren't willing to trade. I think in a few other teams that maybe the Colts could look at here uh, in terms of trading up to get a, a top, you know, five-ish pick, I think the the Seahawks right now are holding pick number four. Now it's not their pick; it's the Broncos' pick. So you want to keep rooting against Denver? That could only make you know Seattle's uh, slot higher. And if they like Geno Smith, like they're in the middle of a playoff race right now with Geno Smith, maybe that's a a team where they say, you know what, we like Geno. We're not you know quarterback, um, or we don't really feel like we need. I have to draft a quarterback this year. We've seen John Schneider in the 13 first-round picks he's had. He's made the pick eight times. So eight times he's made it, five times he's traded out. You know, it's not 50-50 for sure, but it's, it's it shows you he's not afraid to trade down in the first round for sure. And the Eagles at pick number six have the Saints pick. So again, the Eagles right now we know and seemingly Jalen Hurts is the guy in Philly. So if they want to, again, trade down, get extra value, that could be a team. But like I said, there are options. You know, the Cardinals and Packers both have quarterbacks and seven and eight, but Again, you may not even be high enough at pick six, at pick seven, eight, maybe even pick four right now to get that guy you want. 
I think you're 100% right where the team most likely the Colts are going to make a trade. The team that you circle, I think you should still, if you're Colts fans, root against the rest of the season. Outside of watching the Colts, I think you should watch the Bears a lot. This has to be a team that you kind of, you know, keep in one eye on, checking the score every week to see as long as they're still losing, that could be eventually a meal ticket to get in the Colts franchise quarterback. Yeah, and I think Seattle's in the runner-up spot there just because, um, like you're talking about, they're in a situation with Geno Smith playing extremely well. Uh, they could add a, a really good piece to this team around him by making a trade like this, a couple of really good pieces uh, to around him. But also, I think in their case, they're in a unique situation where they could kick the can to next year and, and get into the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. You know, sure. they could be a team that says, we'll, we'll go ahead and make this deal with, say, the Colts and expect that with a rookie quarterback, they're not going to, they're still going to be maybe a top 10 kind of a pick because, you know, growing pains and, and other areas the Colts have to address. Uh, if Seattle might be a gamble worth taking. Absolutely. You're saying, especially too, when you have the Broncos pick, like it's right now, number four, I mean, this Broncos off one of the few offenses that make the Colts offensive competent is Denver's right now. So you got to think that's another one where they might not win a game the rest of the season. So that could be, you know, we could be sitting there. They could have picked number two or number three. So you are right there. Like that's, I think the two teams to watch out for and root against me, the Colts the rest of the season, it's the bears right now, pick number two. And it's the Broncos who, again, who have their first pick goes to Seattle, who's right now sitting at number four. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, George. So the Athletic did provide. I know it's early, but hey, it's never too early for mock draft season. They did their first mock draft for the 2023 uh, uh, draft. And in this specific mock, they did not have any trades. So that throw out, throw out the window. So they had the Colts picking at number 14. They took Will Levis out of Kentucky. So they had, it was Dane Brugger who did it. He had Will Levis falling down to the Colts at pick number 14. If that's the move, if that's a pick the Colts make, I know it's early. You like that one so far? No, I do not. And and this I, is why And a lot of fans are going to be upset with that because I'm sure there's a lot of people on the Will Levis bandwagon, uh, a lot of people on the Anthony Richardson bandwagon. I'll just preview the offseason for you right now. I'm not going to be <laughs> on the bandwagon for either of those guys. I'm not. I'm very much in the same boat that you are. If we're talking first round, the only quarterback I really would take is Bryce Young. The rest of them, um, I just don't think I've seen enough from any of them to feel comfortable. And it'll be interesting to see because one thing that, that we've heard from Chris Ballard a lot, because we've had to talk, we have a lot of talk with him about quarterbacks over the years. Uh, you know, you got to be very careful with those first round guys because once you take that guy like Will Levis at 14, you're putting a certain set of expectations on him that he's got to be able to meet. So if you're going to take Will Levis at 14, he he literally has to be worth the 14th pick. I know that's true of every position, but it's not because if a left tackle gets off to a slow start, there's going to be some, some murmurs and there's going to be unrest, but not like the quarterback. If you're picked 14th overall and you're the quarterback and you're not starting in year one, that alone is going to be a major issue. Uh, and if, if you are starting and you're not playing well, I mean, just look at what's happening in Pittsburgh with Kenny Pickett. 
He had a big game Monday night, which I'm sure helps him out in his case. Do you think there's a lot of people celebrating that he was their first round pick last year? And I think that was like 21. So you just can't. I caught like scratch off lottery picks, which is how I see Anthony Richardson. Oh, I like that. Okay. You know, I'm going to buy a lottery ticket. I'm going to scratch it off and I hope it comes. You can't do that with first round quarterbacks. That's how you end up with EJ Manuel. You do not want to go down that road. And this team has enough other needs. If I'm sitting at 14 and I'm in Indianapolis, I'm looking at the left tackle market. I'm looking at the defensive end market. Maybe there's a pass rusher I can get who can be a big difference maker. I'm looking at the cornerback market. And I'd rather gamble in round two with Hinton Hooker myself. I'm 100% with you. I am a, a million percent with you where, first of all, hope is not a strategy when it comes to quarterback, right? If you're taking a pick at 14, and like I said, outside of Bryce Young, I think every other quarterback in the first round right now is a hope project. Will Levis, like I said, I don't really have a lot of faith in. Anthony Richardson, it's a lot of tools, but the consistency has not been there whatsoever. CJ Stroud, that's a guy where you put any sort of pressure on him. You kind of see he does not play that, you know, does not play very well. He's not read the defense well. And that's a guy who has a million different weapons and options at Ohio State. And he's still struggling at high levels against, you know, some competent defenses. That's not a guy when the level, as we know, jumps from the college to the NFL. I want to trust, like I said, with, you know, my, my team for the next few years. It's such a highly uh, scrutinized position where, like I said, if you get it wrong, first of all, you know quickly. And second of all, you rarely see teams move off of their, you know, wrong picks soon. And you kind of almost get into a stage where it's like almost like if you get it wrong, it sets you back four years. And then that's if you get it right the next time. You know, you, you usually get a long leash as a first-round pick just because, oh, it's a first-round. There's a lot of talent that we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. They'll change the GM. They'll change the coach before they do change the quarterback. So this is a massive gamble where, again, you are going to have – your next five years, bare minimum, laid out for the Colts in either a good way or a bad way, depending on who you pick and, and if you hit it. And like I said, I don't want to trust the next five years to a quarterback right now in the first round, not named Bryce Young. So you're 100% right, George. If the Colts sit at 14, and let's just say that they sit at number 10, make it easy, right? And Bryce Young's not there. I'm not taking a chance. I'm not risking for anyone else. Where, Like you said, I'd rather pick right now a left tackle. I'd rather pick a defensive end. Hell, I'd rather pick another receiver, to be honest, and just load up on the skill positions. And then either, t- if you really like Hendon Hooker, and that's a guy who unfortunately tore his ACL, so he's going to be already an interesting prospect before he got injured. Now, obviously, his draft stock is going to take a hit because he's when he hurt it like two weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, recovery-wise, he's probably going to miss at least the beginning of the season, maybe half the year. So now you're going to have a guy that's going to bare minimum miss half the year, and it's going to take a slow yeah, – basically, year number one is almost a wash for Hendon Hooker next year. But if you're sitting there and you can tell me right now, you could at least take a chance on Hendon Hooker in the second or third round. I'd rather do that and take a left tackle or receiver or a defensive end in pick number, you know, in the first round and kind of take a, a chance there with a less valued uh, pick to the quarterback. They said kind of sit there at 14 and basically blindly pick Will Levis, throw a dart on the board and say, I hope he works out. I have more faith yeah. in that because worst case, if Hendon Hooker doesn't work out, well, at least you got, in theory, a left tackle, receiver, defensive end in the first run that could be a cornerstone for the next guy compared to, like I said, you swing and miss on Will Levis, and you also swing and miss then on an impact player at another important position as well. Yeah, I think that's how you exactly – how you just broke that down. I think that's how you get into trouble, you know, in the draft. When you when you take – I'm trying to think of the guys over the years. Jake Locker, you know, at number 10 overall. Or, or Christian you go Ponder. Like, Christian Ponder, plenty. you know. When you do those things, Blaine Gabbert, you know, comes to mind. It it Blake sets Ford. you back, you know. It, it, it sets you back several years. And, you know, what are you passing on? 
who are you missing? I know one of those years, JJ Watt was on the board when one of those quarterbacks went out, you know, and I, I just don't, I get it. I understand the fan unrest. I absolutely do, but it's why I've not been on the let's, you know, pile on Ballard for not drafting a quarterback high because I haven't seen one on the board when they pick where I thought they, they really need to go after, you know, fill in the blank. And honestly, the only one I think they even had half a shot at trading up for was Justin Fields. And it would have been very costly and you had just signed Carson Wentz. So it wasn't going to happen. Um, you know, I, I just don't there since Andrew Luck retired, there's not a, a realistic scenario in my mind that the Colts could have gone after a quarterback in the first round that they should have gone after and they didn't. And I think you've got to continue to be patient. Now, I think it's going to be harder for him to do this year if he's still in the job. For one thing, it's pretty clear that the owner is not happy with no. uh, anything right now, uh, nor should he be. I mean, let's, I, I'm not knocking Jim Irsay for that. He shouldn't be happy at all with what's going on in the direction of this franchise. Um, but also, I think in particular, he's not happy with the quarterback situation uh, because he's never had to deal with it. I mean, you think about his tenure as an owner, very quickly when he signed on, Jim Harbaugh was quarterback here. And they had that magical run to the AFC championship game. And then what a year or two after that, you get Peyton Manning and you transition to Andrew Lux. It's really the first time he as an owner has had multiple seasons where you're trying to fill this quarterback position. And I'm sure he's extraordinarily frustrated about it. So that might put pressure on Ballard to draft a quarterback in the first round this year. But I think that would be a mistake on Jim Irsay's part if that's what he does. Like, I think it's it's important to remember, because you're, you're, you're 100% right. The last two times the Colts have been in the quarterback market in the draft, they have the number one overall pick, and it's been generational talents in Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. Like, that is not the norm. That is not how 99.9% .9 of the NFL lives. It's tough. It's a lot of misses. Like, you see a lot of guys flame out more than the hit. Like, there's a reason why there's, what, probably eight or nine franchise guys that actually, like, are truly, like, your cornerstone and you can't upgrade from. So you're talking about bare minimum two-thirds of the league always looking for some sort of upgrade or just flaming at it and missing out on picks. It's not easy. It's just, oh, take down the first round and that's it. Because like you said, it's important to like a guy. I know Colts fans have been, you know, all off season or all season, but really since, you know, the week seven to the Titans, it's been get a quarterback, get a quarterback, get a quarterback. And Chris Bowles has been criticized a lot. But again, it's important to remember, if you don't like the guy, you don't believe in the guy, you don't take someone just to take someone. You know, Chris Bowles said, you know, if I take a quarterback, it would get you off my ass. And he's right. Until mm -hmm. the guy flames out or he swings and misses, and then Chris Ballard gets fired first for taking a guy. Now, again, it's frustrating, don't get me wrong, but if you are the Colts, you also got to remember, like, this is it. We just said like, it's an important decision where it sets you back three or four or five years if you get it wrong. I just don't trust right now a guy like Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, if the Colts aren't able to trade up, or again, Bryce Young's off the table. And number one, I don't really right now like any of these guys. Like, I would explore maybe just a field trade if he's available i would explore a trey lance trade if he's available as now especially this week it's seemingly more and more conversations of oh could jimmy g stay in san francisco i really take a chance on trey lance it's just like there are a few guys i like but otherwise it's just like you go anthony richardson okay what if he's up and down or not like how long are you gonna give him before it's like oh, swing and miss we gotta go somewhere else you have it's to a have delicate balance in my mind, you've got to have at least a 51% belief in your room that this guy is going to hit. You know, if it's 50-50 even, I just don't think it's worth it in the first round. And I know there's a lot of fans who are going to disagree with that, and I understand where they're coming from. You know, their whole idea is if there's a 10% chance 
that that first round quarterback can turn into Patrick Mahomes, then, then you do it. I understand that thinking. I think I was there when I was younger. I really do. I think that's, that's kind of where I was at uh, when I w- was growing up, you know, I was like, Oh man, if, if there's even any shot that this guy could be a star, you got to do it. But I think as I've been around the league and, and covered, you know, league for, for a decade now, you kind of understand, like you really need conviction. Like you said, that's, that's the word we hear from Ballard all the time. And it's the correct word in this case. You need conviction on that quarterback pick. And what we've seen him do instead of going after first round guys is gamble, but do it a lot later. Now I wasn't a fan of either Jacob Eason or Sam Ellinger in the draft. I'll be straight up about that. Yeah. But I didn't mind either pick because one was in the fourth round and one was in the sixth round. And I know what they were doing with Eason. They were, they were, you know, gambling on measurables. You had a guy with a million dollar arm. Uh, who was, I think, a five-star recruit coming out of high school, national quarterback of the year type of guy. So in the fourth round, that's worth it. It didn't work out because, as you just said, far more than 50% of these picks do not work out. Um, And then in the sixth round on Ellinger, you were going with the opposite of Easton. You were going with a guy who didn't have the measurables but had all the intangibles, the national leadership, the, the high football IQ. Uh, And that doesn't look like it's working out either. But again, it was a sixth round pick. It's worth the gamble. I think if I'm Chris Ballard in this draft, I am looking at doing that sort of thing earlier, making that kind of gamble in the second or third round. But I, I just would never do it. In the first round, you've got to walk away with a difference maker, no matter what position it is. You've got to, especially this team right now, there's too many other holes. If you're the 49ers and you can argue all they need is a quarterback, sure. Go ahead and and take that shot right. and and see what it comes out as, uh, but the Colts aren't in that situation right now. So you know, get in that situation and then make the 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 gamble. I guess is is my point. Right. Three quick things. Number one, I would even say higher than fifty one percent. Like I think you need to have for the like. 70% conviction doesn't mean you get it right, but you really have to believe in the guy to take him because you said it's such an important position. And the Colts are not in a position where, oh, we're quarterback away, everything else is set. So you kind of make that transition easier. They're going to have a lot of uphill climbing to do. And you're going you're to need that quarterback to kind of come in and, and lift everyone else around them. So I can't sit here and get mad at Chris Ballard if he's just going to say, well, like, will, like, it's not his fault. If the only quarterback worth drafting in the first round is is Bryce Young, like you can't get mad at him that oh you know he's not taking Will Levis or Andy Richardson if you don't like him because again that's how bad teams stay bad. You mentioned Patrick Holmes, right? Oh, if there's a five percent chance you do you risk it. Look at the Jets right now. Zach Wilson, he was coming out of the draft. He was all oh, measurables. This could be the, you know the next Patrick Mahomes. Twenty games later, he's on the bench for Mike White. And has anyone heard of Mike White before? You know, last week, no. So now you have like a, I think he's undrafted, I believe. You have a guy who's undrafted playing better, understanding the offense and being a better fit than the number two overall pick. So again, it's like you can get enamored with the with the with the arm, with his footwork, you know, with his spiral. But if you can't put it all together, you can't, you know, be consistent. It doesn't like you have no use. And again, you're getting you're seeing a guy the number two overall pick with the Jets on a playoff caliber roster getting benched for an undrafted guy because he can't run the offense well. And again, that's just such a, a catastrophic loss for the Jets. They could have had an impact. They could have had a guy like Kyle Pitts. You know, we'd rather Kyle Pitts. Right? If you're the Jets right now looking back, we'd rather Kyle Pitts or Zach Wilson. I bet you a lot of them they could redo, redo that draft. Their GM Joe Doug would say, oh, I'll take an impact, you know, tight end, or I'll take an impact defensive back over right now the number two overall pick that flamed out. And then number three. 
there is a big difference, George, between a first-round quarterback and a second-round quarterback. You know, it, it, maybe in your mind, if it's only 20 picks or 20 slots difference, it's maybe not as big of a deal. It's massive. So if you talk about a guy like Hendon Hooker, who especially is coming off an injury, the expectations of pressure on him is going to be far less. And he's going to have a little bit greater margin for error before the scrutiny really comes in compared to taking Will Levis, let's say, at pick number 14 or Anthony Richardson at pick number 10. The, the, the scrutiny, the pressure, the attention on a second-round pick or maybe even a third-round pick compared to the first-round pick, it's infinite. It's massive. So, again, like you said, if you take a risk of, we'll take a left tackle, a defensive end, a corner, like whatever impact player, whatever impact position you want to do it, let's say pick 14 or pick 10, and then kick the can down the road to the second round and take a guy like Hendon Hooker, take the risk, it's far less riskier and it's you know far less pressure on that quarterback like Hendon Hooker compared to, again, you put all the pressure, all your eggs in the basket of Levis, Richardson at pick number 10, let's just say for argument's sake, that's where it ends up being. It's two different situations. Yeah, it's completely. And and frankly, I like Hooker better as a prospect. You know, I Me think too. if he was not injured, I would be championing him at that 14 pick or 10 or or wherever it is. Uh, so I think it's a chance to steal a guy. I mean, if, in my mind, it's a chance to go in and, and you know, was it Willis McGahee, I think, uh, who came in with yeah. the, the massive knee injury. He never got, I think, all the way back, but he was a, a pretty good NFL running back. Uh, and it was a situation where – I think it was the Ravens, I want to say, who, who made that pick. You know, swipe a guy. That, that's what you want to do. Um, I think there's a chance to do that. I'd feel more comfortable banking on that, that that Hen and Hooker can come back from the knee injury and, and be that guy, uh, even if it's 2024, that you've got to wait for that to happen in, uh, which it most likely will be because, like you said, next year's pretty much shot. I think the best hope you have next year if you draft him is that second part of the year he could come in and, and have – you know, short yardage, goal line package that that's his. But even that's going to be tough. I mean, he's probably right. not going to be able to practice till midway through the year. He's going to have to learn so much. You know, he's going to have to go through training camp in the middle of the season, basically. Um, yeah, I, but I, it's worth it to me. That's the kind of risk I would want to take because I I think the talent's got to be there above all else. You know, I, right. I just I, and it's not that Anthony Richardson's got a lot of skills, like you said, but. I'm watching, you know, him at Florida and he's inconsistent there. So to draft him and think he's not going to be inconsistent in the NFL, I think is crazy. And like you said, to draft him at say number 10 overall, which is probably what it's going to take it. You're putting so much pressure on this guy. Now, all of a sudden to, to come out and be, you know, Patrick Mahomes and it's not who he is. Right. So I just, I, you've got to do it based on the quarterback, not on the need. And again, I'm with you. I, that's why, you know, we talk, it's funny because we, we open the show with, with trade up scenarios. I don't know if, if it, it's really the right move to do that. Uh, because again, if Bryce Young's the only guy, and I think both of us feel that way, the only way you can move up the two is if you're really positive for some reason that the Texans are going in a different direction. And right. who knows? I mean, Maybe they fall in love with Will Anderson. I mean, I've 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 seen him as the number one guy on the board in in a lot of you know early, not the number one pick, the number one prospect on the draft right. board. Um, you know, and if maybe Houston's of the mindset, we know they've been a patient kind of rebuild over there. Maybe they're of the mindset of take Will Anderson and and wait next year and go after Caleb Williams. 
Because I think a lot of people right now would, would put Caleb Williams at the top of this draft. Absolutely. You know? So I think that's another element that, that's going to be at play here with teams like Seattle, for instance, who might say, we've got a guy. Let's wait another year. It's going to be really interesting to see how this quarterback situation plays out. Straub is a guy that, like you're talking about, the difference between a first and second round guy. I feel a lot differently taking C.J. Stroud in the second round. It's not something you can do. He won't be there. But to me, I feel a lot differently at that point because of the expectations that are put upon him. I look at staying division. Look at Malik Willis who last year was, for the most part, the number two quarterback in that draft class. And, and some people, again, had him even higher than Kenny Pickett. But when you look at how the draft shook out, and Kenny Pickett's the only quarterback that goes in round number one, and then I believe it was round three the Titans got Malik Willis, there's no pressure on Malik Willis. He's a guy that, you know, started one game did not, or two games and not play very well, but it's not like the weight of the world is on Malik Willis' shoulders to take this Titans team from where they're right now to a Super Bowl contender. Maybe it could happen. Like, maybe that's a guy in, let's say, a year or two, Needs, you know, kind of needs the game to slow down, kind of gets comfortable, and then explodes. Maybe, but he at least is where he was picked impacts how teams view him and lessens the pressure from the fan base because, oh, it's a third round pick, kind of a project. Like anything I feel like outside of the first round in the fans' perspective, and I'll include myself in this, is viewed almost like a project. And so that just helps kind of ease guys into it and just lessens the pressure immediately because we know it's the most important position in all sports. And it's a, truly a pressure cooker if you take a guy high up and where it's like, if you don't see immediate results, everyone's like, oh, get him out. Like, oh, we got to move. You know, it's it's trade him. This guy's not very good. So I think you're right where it yeah. does lessen the pressure if you take a guy like Henry Hooker in the second round and, and still address the guy in the first round. And I think a really, really good example of that's Andy Dalton. I mean, you're coming in, you got to replace Carson Palmer. If, if that's a first-round pick in Cincinnati, you know, there's there's all kinds of pressure. There's there's all kinds of criticism of, of his play. He was able to come along slowly, and Dalton didn't become a superstar, but it took that team to, what, five or six playoff trips. They won some division titles. It wasn't a terrible run by any stretch of imagination that they had with him over there. Um, and I think, it, it, does that happen if they take him in the first round? I don't know. I think the fact that he had that time to kind of, he started right away, but he had that sort of safety net of, okay, he's a second rounder, you know, set your expectations accordingly. I think that's a perfect example of a guy that probably benefited from that. So, again, those are things that are out of the Colts' control. You can't just – it's not an, a silent auction. You can't just throw a bid in there, you know, this is the round I would take this guy in, and and that's how you get him. But, yeah, you know, I think – as we go through this, the rest of this season, the offseason, I think one of the really interesting things to do will be to look at the non first round quarterbacks and who do you have the most faith in, you know, after round one. Absolutely. Absolutely for sure. And that could be a situation, like I said, it's maybe more likely than not that the quarterback the Colts get, like I said, is not in round one. And so it's going to be fascinating to watch for sure. But that's definitely something that, you know, keep your eye on Colts fans for sure, whether it's trade up partners like the Bears, like you mentioned. Or it's quarterbacks like, you know, potentially Hendon Hooker, where you can kind of get a two for one double dip. Let's say maybe get a left tackle in round one. You take a guy like Hendon Hooker in round two, and you hope that if both hit, all of a sudden now you are going forward here looking really, really good. Um, and kind of set yourself up for success compared to if you take a risk, take a guy you don't believe in, or maybe 50 50 on an Anthony Richardson or Will Levis. They could work out, sure. But also, they, they fail. You are setting this team back big time for sure. All right, so always got to get it. It's always fun to kind of start getting an early draft preview in on the Blue Horseshoe Pod. When we return, we talked a lot about the quarterback. What about the head coach for the Colts? There was one guy I think that maybe could be coaching his way 
out of the uh, out of the search. We'll discuss that when the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns. And we'll go back into the Blue Horseshoe Pod. It's soon to be a draft preview pod here as the cold season does wind down and they are going nowhere fast. So if you like draft season, if you like the head coach speculation, I'll say this, George, this offseason for the Colts, it will not be short of content. That is for sure. No, there's no doubt about that. It never is, right? I mean, I feel like every offseason that, that I've covered this team has been a crazy busy offseason. Uh, this one, though, could be right up there. So that's why it's important more than ever. I forget about the, the first two thirds of the season. Now is really the time. If you have not subscribed, if, if you have not downloaded, but if you like the show, make sure you're downloading and subscribing to the Blue Horseshoe Pod wherever you do get your podcasts. Because there's going to be a lot of talking points, a lot of drama, a lot of intrigue surrounding this Colts team. Really, it's starting, you know, once the season does end after week 18, head coach, quarterback questions, draft questions, we'll be all over it all throughout the offseason where else but the Blue Horseshoe Pods. Make sure you're downloading, subscribing, and also telling your Colts friends about us as well. So let's talk, before we talk about the current head coach and Jeff Saturday, kind of his timeout uh, usage or lack thereof, George, on Monday night. Let's talk about it since we're kind of talking about the future here. But for the head coaching position when it comes for the Colts, we know that obviously they have a vacancy. They're going to be looking. I wonder, because at least for me right now, the guy I circle as the head coach who's number one on my list is Jim Harbaugh. I think he'd be a great fit here. I think the pieces the Colts have um, would fit his style of football. If you watch Michigan the last two years, they are a ground-and-pound physical team. And the Colts, I know the offensive line's been a big question, but they at least had the pieces on paper to kind of get back to that and have success kind of running the ball in Jim Harbaugh's eye. I wonder, now that he's beaten Michigan – or excuse me, now that Michigan's beaten Ohio State two years in a row and done so handling – is he coaching his way out of consideration where maybe now all of a sudden the, the urge to go back to the NFL is less when you have Michigan looking at going back to the college role play for the t- second year in a row and frankly should be in a national title game. Are you concerned at all that maybe Jim Harbaugh was having too much success in Michigan where the Colts are not enough to, to allure him away? Certainly. I mean, it's something that that's definitely going to be in play here, right? I mean, you're looking at, like you said, they could win the national title this year. I don't think that's, they're not going to be the absolute favorite. I mean, obviously Georgia apparently is going to win the next 10 or so, but <laughs> you know, aside from that, uh, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, this whole college football season, if it hasn't told you that one game could go either way, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what, what would, uh, they would certainly be favored. I think against either TCU or USC, and then they'd be an underdog against Georgia, but stranger things have happened, especially if they get that running game going. Um, you know, Blake Corum, I think, is a really special guy. He completely on a, on a different topic. Uh, but, you know, I think that's if he's healthy, That who knows? They could be a national championship team. Can you walk away as a national champion, you know, go to the NFL? I don't know how that works. From your works. alma mater, too, you know? From your alma mater. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how that works. I I think a lot of it comes down to, honestly, how mad is he about that pay cut in 2020? And what does he want to do about it? Because there's a couple of different ways he could get his revenge. You know, one is the, I'm going to walk away. You, you you didn't want me when I was down and I'm going to walk away now that I'm the most coveted guy in the country. Uh, the other one is, I mean, honestly, right. Isn't he in a position right now where if he wanted to, to demand that they get a new AD or they demand that they get a new school president or the name, demand that they change the name of the university, I, mean, I feel like he can <laughs> do whatever he wants to do. Right. Yeah, oh, you're you're 100 right. If you are able to bring Michigan back, and like I said, if they win a title, especially, he's he's walking on you know he's walking on air. Then like you said, if he wants a new, if he wants to be the AD himself and call it Jim Harbaugh Stadium, I think you're right. I think he could probably get that. 
the thing I guess for me is why I guess I'm not panicking yet, and I don't think he's he's going to stay. It's just because last year, no one saw that 2020 season coming. No one really had any faith that they could beat uh, Ohio State, and they did so handily. You made the cultural playoffs. Look, you got blown up by Georgia, but you took Michigan to heights. Now, really, frankly, since they won the national title, I think it was 97 or 98, they haven't got back to it in almost two decades. He was willing to walk away last year, right? He, the Vikings gave him the job. He'd be right now the Minnesota Vikings head coach. So I know now you have two years of success, but if you're willing to walk away last year with all the success you had, I don't think, I don't see why honestly this year would be different. No, I think I think ultimately that's a really compelling argument. I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I also think Indianapolis, this is one of the weird situations where overall, I think it's going to be tougher to get a big name coach in here this year. I, I just think there's a lot of things going against the Colts. Um, you know, not having a quarterback is, is number one. I mean, that's, Obviously, if the Chargers job opens up, even if the Cardinals job opens up, anywhere there's a young QB is going to be in line in front of this this job. Uh, I think that's going to be a tough thing. And I think, honestly, there's going to be some questions about Jim Irsay after that three-week stretch where it was a circus here and you really never knew what was going to happen every Monday or Tuesday morning. Um, that's something that a lot of head coaches, big-name head coaches who have that kind of power to, to kind of make call their own shots probably are, are not going to be excited about not going to want to come here i think harbaugh is one of the few guys maybe the only guy who who fits into that big name coaching list who probably wouldn't be concerned about any of that uh he's been here before he has a personal relationship with jim ursay and as you mentioned earlier i think when you look at the roster itself it's built to his specifications he's going to have to make the right hire at offensive line coach he's going to have to tweak that that group a little bit uh, you know I look, maybe Bernard Ryman's coming on. I know, I know he had the one, you know, misstep against Pittsburgh, but I thought overall, I kind of agree with Jeff Saturday's assessment. I thought he did hold up pretty well considering uh, what he was going against and considering how young he is in his career. I, I think if you're Jim Harbaugh, you can look at this. You can, you can see the last couple of weeks, the running game is not back where it needs to be. It's not close to back where it needs to be. But it's the best three-week stretch we've seen from Jonathan Taylor all year. I, I think if you're Jim Harbaugh, you look at that, you look at this defense, you could feel like, you know, this is this situation you can win in, uh, in an organization you know, with an owner you know. I think he might be uniquely positioned among big-name, quote-unquote, coaches to be interested in this job. And two, like you mentioned, like, right, maybe the Chargers opens up and you have Justin Herbert. Maybe the Cardinals open up and you have Kyler Murray. Honestly, I feel like the Colts and Jim Harbaugh are kind of like the perfect match for each other, where it's like you look at what he wants, like the style of play that he wants fits the Colts better than, again, the Chargers and, and the Cardinals, amongst other jobs that, you know, uh, Carolina's open as well right now, but that we think could be open that could be more attractive than the Colts. But also, too, I wonder. So, obviously, especially when you see how Jim Mercer has treated Jeff Sadie last few weeks, where basically – He's given Jeff Saturday the keys. You know, he handcuffed Frank Reich and did not, and basically made decisions for him. Where Jeff Saturday, despite his lack of experience, basically was given the keys that hey, basically drive whatever car you want, drive it how you want. This is kind of your team here the last half of the season, even though you have no experience. And let's just keep the car analogy going. You don't have a driver's license, but it's okay. Just go knock yourself out. I wonder because, like I said, because of the personal relationship and, and the history of Jim Harbaugh playing for the Colts. I think Jim Harbaugh would be right now be the only candidate on the head coaching market. Maybe it's out of Sean Payton, but in terms of realistic candidates, where I don't think Sean Payton would be interested in the Colts, I think he's the only realistic candidate where Jim Mercy would kind of do whatever Jim Harbaugh wants. Like, it's no secret. Jim Harbaugh wants control. 
Maybe that's a reason why the Minnesota thing didn't work out. He wants, you know, control over personnel. We know that's kind of why he flamed out in uh, in San Francisco despite all the success. And why he's had a lot of success in Michigan because he is basically the GM and the head coach there in college like, you know, they are. I think maybe I'm wrong here. You could tell me because maybe, you know, you've heard Jim Mercer talk about it. I think Jim Mercer would listen to what Jim Harbaugh says where if he says, I want Chris Ballard fired, I can see Jim Mercer saying, you know what, fine. We'll bring in Jim. Like, you, you basically run the show. You want to be the GM and the head coach. We'll do it. I think Jim Harbaugh would kind of get what he wants with the Colts more than he would anywhere else. I think he would get – I think he'd get what he wants here more than anywhere else. I do think the Ballard piece of this is is another really interesting piece in the puzzle. Two big question marks to me on the, you know, could Jim Harbaugh seriously come to Indianapolis? One of them we already discussed, and that's – you know, is he having so much success at Michigan that it doesn't make sense to leave anymore? You know, is he set up there for a long run of dominance? Uh, and they definitely are the top dog in the Big Ten. Right. You know, and if you're going to go and with the 12 team playoff, it's hard to imagine them missing that very often. You're 100% um, right. It's a good point. You know, so you know, do you just stay there? That's one thing. Um, and certainly that fan base is rightfully in love with him. Uh, and I, I don't think from a job security standpoint, I don't know he could be much better than he is right now, you know, at Michigan. Uh, so that's that's the number one question. I think that's that's the one that we already discussed. The second one is the Chris Ballard piece of this. Can they work together? Would Harbaugh be willing to? I think Ballard has a long history of sort of drafting to the coach's standards, to what the coach wants. So even if you don't necessarily like Frank Reich didn't have personnel control per se but still he and his staff had a, a a really loud voice in terms of what kind of player they were bringing in it, it wasn't being forced upon them they weren't necessarily shopping for the groceries the way you know bill parcells always preferred to do uh, but they certainly were standing by the cart and helping decide what went in so i think that that's it'll be interesting to see you know could they coexist and if they can't, would Jim Irsay choose, say, Jim Harbaugh over Chris Ballard if it came to that? Those, to me, are the question marks. The biggest one is the Michigan element of it. Uh, but beyond that, the, 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 the mesh with Chris Ballard, I think, would, would be the other interesting piece here. It's a good point about Chris Ballard because you're right. Like, you know, by all reporting, by all thought, like, you know, Frank Reich was the main driver of getting Carson Wentz to town. So, again, even if Chris Ballard wasn't sold – you lean on Frank Reich. It's okay, Frank, you want him? Like, we'll trust him. That's your guy. I know there's, you know, Frank Reich made a big push a few years ago for Paris Campbell, and that was one where he was overjoyed when they were able to get Paris Campbell later on in the draft out of Ohio State. So it's like, you're all right. Chris Ballard does have a history and a track record right now of kind of drafting what the coach wants, and maybe they couldn't. Like maybe Jim Harbaugh won't come in there with ultimatum saying, hey, I want the GM fired. I want to basically kind of do it all myself and be the CEO of the program. But if he, let's just say if he does, I think the Colts would be maybe the only place right now that that is open and Jim Ursay would be the only owner that would say, you know what, considering the history, you've been here before, you know, all the success in Michigan. And like you mentioned too, the biggest name, like I don't know if Jim Ursay is prioritizing name and sexiness off the bat, but if you are, like that's the guy that I think will by far get the fans the most excited compared to anyone else right now that you hear. And considering where the Colts are, again, you're not attracting the highest level head coaching candidates, and there's a few jobs already better than you. So this could be a perfect situation where I think Jim Harbaugh should be the candidate number one for the Colts. Um, and I think that it's, it is a good fit right now. But like you say, going back to the initial question, even though Michigan is going to go back to the second straight college football playoff, 
even though Michigan should be in the national title game, like I said, Georgia's a little bit worse this year than we were last year. Michigan's a little bit better this year maybe than they were last year. Maybe that's a, a team that wins a national title. But I just go back to if you were ready to leave, if you're Jim Harbaugh last year and you're ready to kind of run out of town back to the NFL, I don't think a second year of success is now changing your mind in Michigan where all of a sudden now he's going to turn down the Colts to stay at the Wolverines. Hopefully I'm right. But obviously also Jim Harbaugh, as we know, is not exactly the easiest guy to read in and, and predict. That's for, that's for sure, George. Holy cow. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And it'll be, I think it's definitely something that's going to come up, right? I mean, um, if he's smart, you won't hear anything if, if he is being interviewed because you can't after the, the Vikings situation. I'm surprised that came out, honestly. Um, you know, these college right. coaches usually don't want any of that out there because it, it's obviously going to hurt you and recruiting and you know and if you do it two years in a row and it comes out um you're really gonna be so i That's think it's one of those situations too. where you might not hear anything and until the until the deal's happens. done um but i it'll be really interesting to see you know i i don't know i think there's a lot of question marks there uh but i think the one thing that's that's unquestionable is that he should be at the top of the Colts wish list i, I don't know who else you're going to find with that track record uh, who would legitimately have reason to come here? I mean, I, like talk about Sean Payton's not coming. No. Uh, and honestly, once you start getting into, you know, sort of coordinator roulette, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, a lot of those picks work out. You can find the right guy that way. Um, but sort of like what we were talking about with quarterbacks, you're, you're, you got to have conviction. You got to find out that, that one guy who's going to fit your situation and and you know be able to work with this roster and that means a guy who wants to run the ball and, and play good defense and i think that's one thing too the fans should prepare themselves for this roster is built to have the most success that way if you're going to bring in a head coach uh it's probably going to be somebody to emphasize those elements you know until there's a quarterback here and you're not going to be able to guarantee that that head coach who the quarterback's going to be that's the reality you know, you're going to have to find a guy who wants to play physical. Mike Vrabel, basically, is, is what you're looking for. Absolutely. And Colts fans know that guy's been a thorn uh, in this team side. The 49ers are doing so with Jimmy G for the most part out in San Francisco, where they made uh, a Super Bowl and NFC title game as well, or two NFC title games as well. Like I said, the style, you can have success with it for sure. And Jim Harbaugh, like I said, I think he's the perfect guy. The Colts want to get it back to that. And maybe don't love a quarterback in this draft in the first round outside of Bryce and can't get him. And Jim Harbaugh is a kind of perfect head coach to bring in and kind of turn things around while also not having the guy in place for 2023. Or like I said, if you take Hen and Hooker, you know, maybe hopefully he could develop into him, but that's still a project where you're still a few years away from kind of him blossoming and taking over the reins for sure as a leader of this team. Uh, quickly, let's finish up with this, George. Let's go from a prospective head coach to the current head coach. The big thing from Jeff Saturday coming off of Monday night's game was his lack of timeout usage, allowing one minute, 30 seconds to bleed off the clock in a two-minute drill before calling a timeout on fourth and three. He did walk it back on Tuesday during his media availability after kind of doubling down on Monday night saying, time is not the essence. For whatever reason, the two-minute drill down by seven with the Colts offense not being explosive whatsoever. He did say he regrets not calling a timeout before the third down run when Jonathan Taylor got stuffed, and he does wish he kind of used you know, his timeouts a little bit better and wiser. I'm just curious from the locker room's perspective, George, is that help or hurt his standing when you kind of have a, a coach who, again, we know is new, we know has zero experience, kind of screwing up. Does it help that he's basically saying, ah, you know, my bad, hands up, guys, I screwed up? Or does it make it a little bit worse where it's just like if you're a veteran, 
yeah, you knew you screwed up before and now it's like you're doubling down and owning up to it. I guess it's like, does, does it make it a little bit worse or better to kind of deal with when you hear Jeff Sauda kind of own up to his mistake on Tuesday afternoon? I don't know if it swings the needle either way very strongly, to be honest. Um, cause I think probably, you know, the, the guys that are behind him are, are behind him either way. And, and the guys that might not be, which I don't, there's a lot of those guys in the locker room. Uh, but you know, anybody who might not be probably is, is not swayed very strongly by this either. I think to the extent that it does move the needle, I think it helps just because his whole philosophy, his whole message since he got here has been accountability, you know? And so for him to come out and say that was on me, I think that, especially the veteran leaders, I think a guy like the Forrest Buckner is going to look at that and say, hey, you know what? I, you're telling me when I mess up and, and now you're admitting when you do. That's that's what I want to see. You know, I, I think that that leadership group, that that's how they're going to feel. Matt Ryan, DeForest Buckner, Zaire Franklin, the guys that really lead this locker room right now. Um, I think they're all that way too. You know, they're the first to admit when they are – are the the issue and in Buckner's case you almost make something up to make himself the issue at times um but I, I think to the extent that it does become a factor I, I think it helps from that standpoint if you're going to preach accountability you got to walk the walk you're honestly right like I said that's the biggest thing Jeff Saturday like he can hang his hat on in terms of why he was brought in so it was kind of give the guys a spark but also kind of just call things out for how they are and you're right you, you, if you're going to call out players, which rightfully so, you should as head coach, you also then got to be the first one to take the blame when you yourself screw up what you did. I just wonder, George, like, does that, like, is anyone surprised? Like, again, we're, this is a guy who, again, has zero head coaching experience in college or the NFL, came off the couch, you know, with, with you know, half season left. Like, like we kind of talked about on Monday night, it's kind of a miracle that he was able to kind of get through two full games and not be the reason why the Colts lose or, or make a big time mistake that we're talking about in which both games end up being close games. You win the Raiders, lose to the Eagles. Where it's just one of those things, like if you're a player, like can you really be surprised? Like I don't think so at this point where, like I said, it's just easier to, I guess, swallow, move on from when you have the head coach saying, I screwed up my bad. But it's not like I feel like players expected more because you also have to be realistic and say, all right, this guy's coming in blind. You can't expect him to kind of go through everything perfectly and just kind of make no mistakes. Like that's, it took a little bit, but that's exactly, you know, the, the bumps that you expect when you're bringing a guy that's, again, with no experience halfway through the year that hasn't been with you. It just, it's more of a surprise that hasn't happened, hasn't happened so far more often. It's like a rookie quarterback throwing a red zone interception. You know, right. I mean, it's, it's a good point. You're going to be really upset uh, in the moment, but you expect that to happen. I mean, he's learning on the job and, if it takes a third game for the rookie to do that, then, hey, you know, <laughs> good job. You, you're you winning more often than not. Um, I think it's a very similar kind of situation here. I, I'm more surprised you didn't see those problems out in Vegas. That's ex exactly what I expected to see, honestly, in Vegas. It took until, you know, his third game for it to happen. And honestly, as, as big of a mistake as it was, and it really was, it's not – I know it's not the overwhelming factor for why they lost this game. You know what I mean? It's a big mistake. It's something that contributed, but it's not, you know, Brandon Staley in, in week one, not going forward on fourth and one and then going forward on fourth and six. You know what I mean? Like there are worse mistakes made by head coaches this year. So I think that helps too. I think it would be like on that. Does it help or hurt with the locker room? I think the fact that it is a big mistake and it was in the top three reasons they lost the game is still not as bad. I think it would hurt a lot more if it had been a situation where 
there at the one yard line and he did something, you know, to to keep them from getting in. They still, even if he calls the timeouts correctly, you know, they still had what 30 some yards to go. And it was it was a high degree of difficulty, no matter what, given the way the offense was executing. He just kind of added to that that challenge, I guess. And you have arguably the offense's worst first half of the season in that game. You have John Taylor dropping the ball at the one. Like like I said, there it's a definitely a top three reason why the Colts lost for sure. And you have to be better and give yourself a chance to win. But let's just also not pretend that the first half, you know, didn't happen and the fumble in the third quarter didn't happen, where again, that game completely flips and maybe not even in that position. If you execute take care of business earlier in the game and set yourself up for success, which again, the theme of the Colts season so far, George, not being able to do that whatsoever so far this season. So that'll do it for this midweek edition of the Blue Horseshoe Pod right here uh, on the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Thanks for listening. As always, make sure you're downloading and subscribing. You can follow George on Twitter, get all his breaking news and all his uh, Colts updates throughout the week of practice at GM Brum. You can follow me at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. We will be back on Friday morning with a Colts Cowboys Sunday night preview. Uh, at this point, George, I don't even know if we just, we just even push a, a win here. Maybe we'll just see. Hopefully it's not as bad. They don't get embarrassed uh, on Sunday night. But that should be uh, a doozy for sure. As if you're not watching Cowboys, you see, oh, we'll just give you a very quick preview. Block number 11. That's it. I don't care if you got to put five guys on him. Make sure Micah Parsons is not a guy that's going to beat you because he has been feasting, George. I pray, Listen, I pray Matt Ryan just is able to walk up the field on Sunday. That's that's right now my, my big uh, preview. <laughs> That, that'd be a win for him. I guarantee you that would be a win for him. Holy cow. That is a, yeah, absolutely for sure. So we'll be back on Friday. Get you set for the Sunday night tilt between the Colts and the Cowboys. Have a great rest of your week between now and then. We'll talk to you Friday right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.